Hey, this is Pastor Rob Miller from Reclamation Church. Just want to say thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We pray that this message is completely life-giving and life-changing and that you take the blessing of the Word of God with you everywhere you go this week and pour into somebody else around you. Be blessed as you listen to this week's message. Closing our After God's Heart series, we've been studying the life of who? Studying the life of David. Uh, He was known as a man after God's heart. We see that in Acts chapter 13, verse 22. It says, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart who will do my will. And the whole idea behind this series is not just having a heart that looks like God, but having a heart that is pursuing and chasing after God. We are literally pursuing after God's heart, chasing an all-out pursuit of who he is. And when we do that, we become a product of his heart. And I don't know about you, but the world needs to see a product of Jesus so bad today. When they look at the church, they need to see Jesus. Nothing else but Jesus. So that was the whole idea of this whole series is adopting the character of Christ Jesus. And the past few weeks have been phenomenal. I've enjoyed it. Uh, and, and I want to thank you again for joining us today uh, to, to close out this series. It's kind of sad, but, you know, seasons come, seasons go. But it's going to be a great series uh, close out today. And this journey over the past couple of months has been great. We've learned about the heart of God and how we can reflect the heart of God. We've been looking at David's faithfulness and commitment no matter what. We looked at David's life, lots of highs, lots of high points, lots of really, really, really bad low points. But yet through it all, God counted him faithful. And through it all, he remained committed and loyal to following and pursuing after God's heart. Amen. So that's the whole idea of what we want to learn about today. This whole time we've been invested in uh, the book of First and Second Samuel. The entire two months so far has been focused on the story from 1 Samuel chapter 16, I believe, is when he was anointed uh, to be king all the way until 1 Samuel chapter 12 last week. I'm doing a little different today. Is that okay? We've been in the Old Testament the whole time. I'm jumping. Jumping ship. We're going to the New Testament today. I know. What? David's in? Yes, David is in the New Testament. Absolutely. So we're going to talk about David, uh, and that just shows the importance of the legacy of who he was. Uh, You know, he didn't didn't just stop right there in the Old Testament. His legacy, uh, who he was, the character of David, the heart of God, carried through to the New Testament. We even see in Acts chapter 13, our theme verse. That's in the New Testament. Acts, we see that David is mentioned after a God's God's own heart. So we're going to look in the New Testament today and close out our series and look at the legacy that he left and how important it is that we understand the impact of our own legacy. Amen. I, y'all, I had a hard time with this because I was like, look, the rest of David's story is pretty low. After Nathan confronts him in 1 Samuel chapter 12, there's lots of, I mean, he ate the consequence of his sin. And so the whole, the whole rest of 2 Samuel, even into 1 Kings, is, is pretty low because he ate the consequences of his sin, yet he still remained faithful and loyal to God. So I was like, how do we close this out? And Wednesday night, Wednesday night, if, if you haven't been into our midweek reflections, you need to join them online because, I mean, God moved, God guided the conversation, our focus of what we talked about. It was amazing. And it kind of really focused in on what I wanted to preach today. Y'all remember last week I said I was sitting at the drums and I got the download. I'll be honest, I never use it in my sermon because it's for today. Amen. So we're going to close out today with the download. Amen. So what is the impact of our legacy? What are we leaving behind? But better yet, what are we catapulting forward? What are we sending forward for our children to live in, for those in our community to live in? What is the legacy that we are sending and shooting forward? So I want to ask that you turn with me to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, we're going to read verse 46 to 52. If you don't have your Bibles, I'll have the scripture on the word on the screen behind me. Mark chapter 10, verse 46 to 52. And it says, then they came to Jericho. This is Jesus and his disciples. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples, a large crowd as I'm sorry. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a large crowd, a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road. 
And when he had heard that it was Jesus the Nazarene, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I got I to gotta add the emphasis there. Because it says he cried it out. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. In verse 48, it says, many of them, many of the people were sternly telling him to be quiet. But I love his passion and determination. It says that he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And it says, and Jesus stopped. I love that. Are we doing enough to stop Jesus in his tracks? It says, and Jesus stopped and he said, call him here. So they called the blind man, saying to him, take courage, stand up. He is calling for you. In verse 50, says, throwing aside his cloak, he jumped up and came to Jesus. And answering him, Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabboni, or my master, or my Lord, I want to regain my sight. And Jesus said to him, go, your faith has made you well. And immediately he regained his sight. And began following him on the road. Wow. After reading that passage, did anything really sound familiar to you? What we, just, we discussed last week? Y'all remember in Psalm 51, David in his repentance cried out, God, have mercy on me. So here is the legacy. We see the legacy carried into the New Testament. This blind man, blind Bartimaeus, is crying out, Jesus, son of David, the lineage, the legacy, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. We see this theme carried all the way to now. And up until this point, the pleads for mercy, again, were very generic. They were, they were generalized. It was never personal. It was for a people. It was for the kingdom of Israel. It was for a, a, a people group. It was never specifically have mercy on me. It was always have mercy on us or about, may God be gracious to you. So, so David realized that God was taking what had happened with him personally. So David took it personally. And if we could just wrap our mind around that, that God takes it personally. Again, he created us to be in relationship. So when we, when we, when we separate from that relationship, y'all, we take it personal, right? Your best friend leaves and, and stops talking to you. We're not just like, okay, yeah, well, cool. No, we take it personal. Really, what did I do? What did I do to deserve this? And that's what we see in David's life. God, have mercy on me. I'm sorry. I'm making this personal because I know it's personal to you. So understanding that he broke God's heart. And since David was so close to God's heart and he was after God's heart, he understood and he felt that same brokenness. Listen, we have to be broken so that God can rebuild us. We have to be broken so that God can restore us. I was thinking about Fixer Upper. Y'all love Fixer Upper? Who watches Fixer Upper? Right? When, when Chip and Joanna, I hope that's not trademarked or copyrighted, Chip and Joanna, right? It's just a name, right? When Chip and Joanna go into this, this run-down, rinky-dink house that they spent 60 grand on, what's the first thing? What, what's Chip's favorite day? Demo day, right? He just doesn't walk in and they start putting Band-Aids on things and starting, like, just putting paint on old run-down walls and holes in the wall and putting, like, new flooring on top of the old flooring. No, demo day is his favorite day. And, and I think we need to understand in the spirit that that has to be our favorite day. Demo day has to be our favorite. It's going to hurt. Sometimes it might be expensive. Spiritually, it's going to cost a lot. But we have to let God have his way and, and have a demo day in our life to break apart all of the things. Because, again, just like grace we talked about a couple weeks ago, just throwing a rug on the stain of grace is not removing the stain of sin in our life. So there has to be a complete removal of the old so that we understand the beauty of the new. Amen? So there's a spiritual demo day. Listen, we have to understand that we have to be broken in order for God to rebuild us. We're all just a bunch of fixer-uppers. I put that on Facebook. We're all just a bunch of fixer-uppers in need of a carpenter. His name is Jesus. Amen. We need that fixer-up in our life. And David's repentant response and transformational experience is the legacy that he leaves uh, for the children of Israel, his desire to be close to God, his heart for God, the story of grace and mercy, the story of submission to God. He's the king. 
yet he understood he was a servant. That story of submission is the legacy that he catapults forward. And that's why we see him described as a man after God's heart. And so we read about blind Bartimaeus as he cries out to Jesus, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. It's the same verbiage. David left behind an image and legacy of God's grace and mercy. And we see this, there's a parallel uh, scripture. We see it in Matthew chapter 18. There's no surprise that Matthew and Luke traced the lineage of Jesus Christ through the lineage of David. If you read Matthew chapter 1, Matthew chapter 1, uh, the, the, the disciple Matthew, the apostle Matthew, he, he talks about the lineage of Jesus all the way back to Adam. Am I right? Or is it Abraham? He, he traces it 14 generations, 14 generations, even going into exile. He traces the lineage of Jesus back to David. He, and in Luke, we see the lineage of Jesus traced back to David. There's this legacy. Look, there was a fulfillment of covenant. You remember, we talked about the covenant a few weeks ago. David was like, God, I want to build you a house. And God was like, that's great, but I want to build a house through you. Your son, and I'm going to covenant with your son and his lineage and his offspring and, and his son and his son and his son. And I'm going to build my house through you, David. That's great that you want to do this for me, but I want to do something better for you. And we talked about that a few weeks ago. And, and sometimes it feels like God is ignoring our plans, but really it's just an invitation to be a part of his plans. And something that's even greater in store for us. So this was a fulfillment of the covenant. We covered that uh, with, with David talking about wanting to build the, the, the temple for, for God and his ark. And in 2 Samuel 7, God responds to David, look, I, want you, I know you want to do this to me, but I want to do something through you. God, David wanted to build God a house, but God established his house through David. How? By sending his son. John chapter 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. Jump down to verse 14, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. I love that because that word dwelt means tabernacled. Tabernacled. Jesus came down and tabernacled with his people. It's, it's a word. He did it. I'm not making that up. Jesus made it up. <laughs> so he comes down in tabernacles. What is a tabernacle? The tabernacle was the mobile home of the ark. When, when God said move, they would pack up the tent and the ark and everybody would move the tent. It was the mobile home of the ark of the, of the presence of God. So, so God tells in John chapter 114 that he's coming down to tabernacle with us, not to temple with us, but to tabernacle because he's moving. He's always moving. And he's not looking for a dwelling place. He's looking for a dwelling people, the people that will continue to pursue and follow after him, to be mobile with him, to move when he says move, to get up when he says get up. And so he does that by sending his son to tabernacle with us. He fulfills that covenant about building the house of God through David. And, and the beauty of the, mobile, the mobility of the Ark of the Covenant was that people followed the presence of God. They followed and sought after God, and he established his house through David as a reminder that I don't depend on you. You depend on me. Amen. He's passionate about a people who are all about seeking his face and seeking his presence, pursuing him and responding to him. And that's the legacy that David leaves, living in response to God. Remember, God initiates, God invites David lives in response to God, and that's what he is looking for with us today. This is the legacy of his character that we can learn to adopt as we close out this series. Amen. God has always been pursuing us. Since the fall of man, God has always been pursuing us. So, so he's introducing a way for us to pursue him now by coming and tabernacling with us and moving with us. So the, I want to talk about the beauty of living in response. And this is the, some of the points that we can pull out of blind Bartimaeus' story. The beauty of living in response. Number one, we become a new person. We become a new person. This is all about a change of heart after God's heart. Number one, we become a new person. Look, this story starts out with an introduction. I love this. It says, a blind man named Bartimaeus. 
a blind beggar named Bartimaeus. This man's identity is tragic. Bartimaeus literally means son of Timaeus. He doesn't even have a name. It's like if I were to go around and introduce myself, I'm Wade's son. I'm just Miller, son of Wade. Y'all know that's how we got like Johnson and Carlson, the last name Johnson and Carlson and stuff like that. It's like Scandinavian. Maybe it's Irish, Scottish. I don't know, Tim, you tell me you're the resident Scottish guy. (laughs) It's like Scandinavian or something. Literally, people will introduce themselves and say, look, I am Rob, son of John. I am Rob, son of Miller. Right. And so that's what we see right here is blind Bartimaeus is just literally son of Timaeus. He has no name. He's just blind Bartimaeus. His name is blind. And the tragedy about it, not only does he not have a name, Timaeus, his dad's name literally means unclean. So here he is, the blind beggar, the son of what is unclean. He has this lineage and legacy of just no identity. Being unclean, being unwanted, cast off on the side of the road. So we, right off at the beginning of this story, we see an introduction of a man who was unwanted. A man who was lost in his lineage and lost in the identity of, of this legacy from, uh, from, his, from his father. That which is unclean. He has no legacy except for his lineage. And it's this tragic story. He has no identity but unclean. It's the legacy that he is born into. Unclean, unwanted, unknown. And here's the thing, that's the legacy you and I are born into. Being born of Adam and Eve, the lineage of Adam and Eve, being born into sin, we are born without a name. We are born unknown, unwanted, cast off, but God. And through his son, we have a new name. Through his son, we are adopted into a family and he changes our lineage. He changes our legacy and we are now part of the kingdom of God. Heirs to the throne, co-heirs with Christ Jesus. We no longer not have a name. We are called by a name. Listen, the whole end times thing is huge right now. Everybody's like, are we in the end times? Is this the end of the world? When is the Antichrist coming? Where is this mark of the beast coming from? Don't worry about that. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And I say that because Jesus gives us a name. The devil gives us a number. Don't worry about the number. Worry about the name. Because, listen, we all have an identity. God has given us a new identity. You are, you are named. Revelation says that he gives us a new name written in stone. It's permanent. He gives us a name, and that's, that's so key because we all have a story. We're not just a number. It's not just a number. Every Sunday we try to put out, hey, we had, we had three first-time guests. We had one salvation. We had five. It's awesome. You're more than just that number. We do that because we want to praise God for what he's doing and bringing in here, but you are not limited and tied to that number. You have a story, and we want to celebrate the story that God has in you and the story of salvation. He has a name for you, and and that's what we see in the story of blind Bartimaeus. And I want to close this up later. I want to wrap that up later of what I mean by that. But he makes him a new person. He has no identity. He has no name. He is unwanted, unclean, and unknown because he has been separated from the heart of God. So in his current state, he's on the side of the road begging, and he hears about a man named Jesus. He's heard the stories. He's heard about signs and wonders. I'm sure he's probably heard about the lineage. This guy comes from the seat of David. So he's heard the stories. There's never been a more important time right now than to share the story of Jesus Christ. Let people hear the story. Let people see the signs and wonders of who he is. Let people be astounded by God's work in your life. This is why it's so important that we understand we have a story so that we share our story. So people can see what the heart of God looks like and what the heart of God does. Amen. So in his current state, he's on the side of the road begging. He's heard the story of Jesus and he cries out, Jesus, son of David. I love that. Because right here in this moment, 
He is declaring the Messiahship of Jesus. When everybody, all the religious leaders around him are trying to silence him and keep him quiet, he is declaring the Messiahship, the Christ. Jesus is here to save and to change me. Right here, Jesus, son of David. He's heard people talking about the man who, who comes from the seed of David. He's heard the prophets describe his lineage and his coming. And he's, he is shouting the lineage and prophecy of Jesus, the Messiah, declaring his need for a savior. The son of Timaeus is crying out to the son of David. The son of what is unclean is crying out to the son who saves. The one who washes us. And cleans us. Amen. And look at the craziness of verse 48. It says, many were sternly telling him to be quiet. But he kept crying out all the more. So son of David, have mercy on me. In other words, many people around him were trying to censor him. Many people around him were trying to censor him. And while Bartimaeus is crying out the Messiahship of Jesus, the hope of Jesus Everyone around him is trying to muzzle him and censor him. And here in this moment, listen, here in this moment, he could have let culture dictate him. Here in this moment, he could have let culture tell him that he is worthless and that what he is saying is not true and that what he is saying is not going to amount to anything. He could have submitted to culture. But instead, he cried all the more submitting to Christ. And that's what we need to understand. Don't let culture dictate you. Let Christ control you. Let Christ have his perfect work in you. Amen? And look, there's another thing. Like, we can let culture dictate us. We can let our insecurities control us. And I'm sure blind Bartimaeus is full of insecurities. I'm sure he's been on the side of the road many times and just heard all kinds of nonsense from people trying to just shut him up and put him in his place. He could have let his insecurities control him. He could have let the culture control him. But the question is, what are those insecurities telling you to do compared to what God is calling you to do? Again, in that moment, he had a, he had a chance. He had a chance to respond. He cries out to, to Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stops and he calls him out onto the road. In that moment, he could have let culture silence him and keep him still. Or he could have got up and approached the throne of grace. And that's what he does in this story, the story of blind Bartimaeus. Listen, don't let anybody silence the hope that is in you. Don't let anybody silence the revelation that is in you. Listen, it was a revelation from God. This is the Messiah. This is the son of David. Don't let anybody silence the hope in you. Don't let anybody silence the revelation of God in you. If he has revealed himself to you, we need to shout it from the rooftops. If he has shown you any kind of grace and mercy, we need to boldly proclaim and tell everybody what God is doing in our life. Don't let anything silence you. It's time to shout it from the rooftops. Jesus saves. There is hope. It's time to say, I don't care what people think. I don't, want care, I don't care what agendas think. I don't care what the media thinks is true. I stand on the word of God, the solid foundation of truth, because the truth sets me free. Amen? I stand on the word of God, and it's time to make him known. So people after God's heart are constantly making him known, constantly pointing people one step closer to Jesus. So in this moment, blind Bartimaeus, he cries out, Jesus, have mercy on me. And, and, and I love it because it's like right here, it's right in this moment that Jesus hears true repentance. It's right here in this moment that, that Bartimaeus stops the heart of God in his tracks. And that's, that's a common theme that we see throughout a lot of scripture, through a lot of encounters with Jesus. As Jesus is walking down the way, y'all remember the woman with the issue of blood? She boldly approaches him, grabs a hold of him, and he stops. And, and the Bible says that, and Jesus turned around. That's probably like the most powerful story and powerful experience that you can ever experience. Is, can you make Jesus turn around? 
Are we committed enough? Are we passionate enough? Are we pursuing him so much that he hears us crying with a true repentant heart, a true broken heart? Jesus, I need you. Or is he just a scapegoat? We're like, hey, I need you in this moment. We see it throughout Scripture. Jesus turned around. Jesus stopped. Amen? Am I doing enough to stop Jesus? It was the cry of a heart that needed Jesus, and, and he heard it. And we see numerous times throughout the gospel that Jesus will stop or, or turn around and, and completely transform somebody's life. But here's the thing. Here's the biggest question. Because after every encounter, Jesus gave a command. Are you willing to respond to the command? Are you willing to respond? I love the story of Joshua. Joshua, the sun standing still. Anybody remember that story? They're, they're in a battle. They're in a, they're, in a, they're in a big, huge, deep fight, and they're, they're almost winning, but the day is getting dark. It's get, the streetlights are coming on. Right? Anybody had to be inside when the streetlights come on when you were a kid? That was me. Streetlights are coming on, and Joshua's like, listen, I need more time. God, make the sun stand still. Boldly proclaiming, God, make the sun stand still so I can carry out your will. And God did it. And Joshua did it. And I've preached on this before, but, but do you think God would have let the sun stand still if Joshua wasn't willing to carry it out? We can cry out all day, God, I need this done in my life. Jesus, I need a miracle right now. But if we're not willing to carry out and respond on our part, are we going to see the sun stand still in our life? We have to be willing to respond to the call. See, each of these stories that we talk about, especially in this one about blind Bartimaeus, Jesus calls for the individual to get up, to come to him, to respond in some way, shape, or form. And it's not until the person responds that the work is done. It's not until the person gets up that they find their miracle. So Jesus calls and demands a response. And it's not until we walk in a response that we find repair. We have to respond to the call of God. And maybe, maybe you've been wronged. Maybe, maybe you've been hurt. Maybe you've been betrayed. Maybe, maybe somebody has just deeply wronged you and, and you can't get over it. And you keep crying out, Jesus, I, I just don't get it. But we get so comfortable wallowing in our pain and we cry out Jesus I need freedom and, and Jesus is standing there like come come get it right come come get it it's like the the illustration that I use we're standing we're sitting in a prison cell we're like God I need to be free and the door flings wide open and I'm like hey Michelle look the door's open I'm free hey John bro the door has flung wide open I'm totally free right now but we sit in the comfort of our jail cell. We sit in the discomfort of our pain. We've become comfortable with our discomfort. And so we refuse to get up. Are you free? Or is the door just open waiting for you to walk out and be free? And so that's what we see here. Jesus is calling him, look, look, you have, we have a chance right here. Get up and come to me. And this is what I love because right after that, the crowd has now changed. See, the crowd was like, you'll be quiet, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet. And I like to think of it this way, that maybe there were different people in the crowd. Maybe there were some people that are like, you need to be quiet. But when Jesus calls him to get up, other people are like, listen, he's calling for you. Get up. He, he wants you to go see him. Listen, that's the beauty of the church. So I can say, hey, Daryl, look, there, there's freedom. There's hope here. Come, come. Come find hope. And I can go out to the people on the street, and I can go out to people in Walmart and be like, look, I see your pain. I, I know you're hurting. But come to where there is healing. Wake up. That's literally what they're telling him here. The, the Greek translates to wake up. Wake up and go see him. Get up and go see uh, Jesus, the son of David, just like you were crying out to him. So when you do, and when blind Bartimaeus finally responds, that's when it leads to something else in the next step. One, we become a new person. Number two, we have, we have a new posture. I love it because blind Bartimaeus is sitting on the side of the road. And it says Jesus stopped. 
And that word in the Greek means Jesus was left standing upright. And so he looks at Bartimaeus who's sitting and he says, come to me. So there's an understanding there has to be a change of posture. There has to be a change of positioning in our life. Bartimaeus, the blind beggar sitting on the side of the road has a decision. Do I believe? Do I walk out what I was just crying out? Do I walk it out? I'm sitting here crying out that he's the Messiah. I'm sitting here crying out that he saves. Now I have a decision to walk out what I was just crying out. Listen, we can cry and, and, and shout to God in our prayer closet all day, but it means nothing if your livelihood is not matching your prayerhood. In other words, your audio has to match your visual, right? Audio has to match your visual. What you say has to match what you do, amen? And our response demands change. And so we look at the, the lame man lying on his bed. I love this. Let me have my bed. I love this. I'm going to do it up here so y'all can see me. It's a small bed. It's similar to what, you know, the lame man would have had. I believe it's in John chapter 5. We all remember the, the blind man or the lame man at the pool of Bethesda. I have nobody else here to help me. Jesus is like, do you want to get well? Well, I do, but nobody else will help me get there. That's another sermon for another time. But, but we see a very similar situation. The, the, the lame man is comfortable in his discomfort. And he's just laying there. And Jesus is like, if, do you want to get well? And the lame man was like, well, yeah. So what does Jesus do? Jesus tells him, well, then take up your bed and walk. So he had to get up and roll up his bed and then walk away. Why? Because there had to be a change of positioning and a change of comfort and a change of posture. Because if he were to get up and start walking but left his bed there, he would go back to his bed. We, it's, like, it's like if we were to help a homeless man, right? Give him a million dollars. Look, I got, I got you a new house. Here's a car. You are set for your life. He's done nothing else for his life except beg. So he's going to go back to his way of living until there's a complete transformation in his mind and understanding on how he should live and how he should be managing his finances and stuff. Does that make sense? So it's the same right here in this moment. Jesus says, come up, get up and come to me. There has to be a change in position because when Jesus changes who we are, he changes where we dwell. And we don't go back to the old things. We don't go back to what, what used to be comfortable. We don't go back to what used to be our go-to. Because when he truly changes us inside, he changes where we dwell. The Greek right there where it says we're, we're blinded by our maze was sitting, it's his dwelling place. And so Jesus, who is the dwelling place of God, is saying, get up from your dwelling and come abide with me. Come and dwell with me. Come together with me. He's sitting on the side of the road and he's dwelling in this place, but God is calling him to come to him and join him on the road. It says Jesus stopped. The Greek there is histami. His stay me. It means standing yet abiding, abiding in covenant and agreement. So he literally stops Jesus in his tracks because Jesus is covenanted with him and agreeing with him that this is his moment to change. This is an invitation to change. But it's up to blind Bartimaeus to get up and accept that invitation to make him upright. Remember, David cried that out in Psalm 51, create in me a clean heart and renew an upright spirit in me. Change my posture. Change my positioning. I can't go back to where it was. I can't go back to what I was doing. I've had enough of not having enough, and I need the one who is more than enough. Amen? And I love it because it says he throws off his cloak. He casts off his cloak. He gets rid of this, this identity that is not him. 
He gets rid of this identity that is not from God. It's almost a physical declaration that this isn't me anymore. This isn't me anymore. Determined to never go back. And, and beyond that, we have to be determined to bring others with us. This whole time in his life, he's been living in isolation. But now it's time for him to live in invitation. We've talked about that this past week. Live invitationally. This past series, live invitationally. And if you look at Luke chapter 18, the same story is there. There's a little caveat that Luke puts on the end of the story. It says that when he was changed, when he had opened his eyes and began to see and began to follow Jesus, it says that other people began to glorify God. Listen, what God does in your life is not for you alone. Invite people into it. Invite people into the story of God in your life. Amen. And see here in this moment, blind Bartimaeus gets up and literally walks by faith. And not by sight. He gets up and he walks by faith and not by sight. His physical declaration is matching his verbal declaration. Amen. So he becomes a new person. He, becomes, uh, he gains a new posture. And the last one is this. He has a new pursuit. And I'm calling this message today the pursuit. We've been talking about being after the heart of God. Chasing after the heart of God. The pursuit. He gives us a new pursuit, new desires to follow hard after him. I love the picture that the scripture illustrates. Blind Bartimaeus on the side of the road is invited to approach Jesus, to approach the throne of grace on the road. He's been on the side of the road watching people walk by, but now he's been invited to be on the road. And in all this time, you've been sitting beside the way, but I'm inviting you to come to the way. To come on the way. Because this is the way that leads to life. And it's like Jesus is telling us today, this, you can't be a bystander. This, this is not a spectator relationship. This is not something where you just sit on the side of the road and watch. I want you to come along with me. It's an invitation to become a part of something greater. No more watching. It's time to get involved. It's time to participate. Listen, when Jesus truly gets a hold of a life, you, you realize, you realize that this isn't a spectator sport anymore and it's truly an invitation to participate, that you get to be a part of it. In other words, responding to the invitation of Jesus means you move from a consumer to a contributor. I love it because he's a blind beggar. All he's ever done is consumed. All he's ever done was consumed. And I love it because Jesus says, what do you want? I want to, I want to see again. So Jesus gives him his sight, and now he's following behind Jesus. He is on the way, not out of the way, and more importantly, not in the way. That'll preach. Get out of the way. Amen. Follow Jesus. He is the leader. You are not. <laughs> and, and I love it because he says, what do you want? And he says, I want to regain my sight. So Jesus gives it to him. Bartimaeus lives it out. And he lives seeing from that point on. He doesn't go back to where he was. He lives seeing. And remember, that was the beauty of the mobile tabernacle. Remember, following the presence of God. The people would move in response to God. It was a, it was a jolt it was a shaking the people away from their comfort, shaking people away from their stagnation, from their isolation. It was Jesus coming to tabernacle with us as an invitation. It's a shakening in our spirit to get us back into pursuit of him. The Bible tells us that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. He is the way, the truth, in the life. Jesus is a living invitation to stop running and start pursuing. He's a living invitation to stop running and start pursuing the heart of God. He's saying, I am the way. Use me to get to God. I am the truth. Use me to find freedom. I am the life. You can't live without me. There's no heartbeat without the heart of God. Amen. You need to pursue the heart of God. And I love what happens next with Bartimaeus. And I promise I'm, I'm starting to wind down here. 
I love what happens with Bartimaeus in verse 52. It says, immediately he regained his sight and began to follow him on the road. I want to break this down, follow. It says he began to follow him on the road. This is, this is really key. The Greek right here is akulutho. Akulutheo. I'm sorry, akulutheo. Pastor, that's cool. You can say a Greek word. I'm probably not even saying it right. Akulutheo. It, it, it doesn't just mean to follow like, want, like, a, like, a, like an aimless puppy, right? It doesn't mean to just follow like that. It, it means a united road. To be in the same way. So Jesus, after he heals him, it says that Bartimaeus now is united with him on the same way. United in direction. United in pursuit. United following close behind him. Accompanying him. And it's the same Greek word that we see when when Jesus tells his disciples in Matthew 16, 24. Whoever wants to be my disciples has to deny himself pick up the cross and follow me. Unite with me. Follow in my sufferings with me. To be as one is what that invitation is, to be united and accompanying one another. I shared the other day uh, the Hebrew definition of Hebrew or of, of follow. I shared it on my page and I was like, hashtag pursue 2020 reclamation church because that's our theme this year. Our theme is pursue. And, and I just love how God is working out all of these series and all these messages. And at the heart of all of these messages, it seems like pursuit of God is the key theme. And so the Hebrew word there, guys, I think I put it in the folder. You can throw it up there, is radaf. And, and, and it doesn't mean to just follow aimlessly or passively. It says to pursue them. Radaf means to chase them down, to be hot on their heels. Let me break this down even further because there's another Greek word dealing with following God. And we see it when he's recruiting his disciples. Y'all remember the story of Jesus going to get the 12 and he says, follow me, follow me. And they cast off their, their fishing nets. The Matthew, the tax collector, throws all the coins. I'm just kidding, he didn't do that. Right? But they get up from what they were doing. They stop what they were doing. They respond and they go follow after him. The Greek word right there is deute, meaning here. Jesus called out to him and says, I want you here. I see what you're doing, but I want you here. And here's the beauty of that. Caleb, come here. I wasn't going to use it, but I'm going to use it today. I'm going to stand right here. It says, you be, you be Peter, Simon Peter. Jesus is like, hey, follow me. In other words, come here. And here's the beauty of it. Jesus keeps moving. Here. Follow me. And so there's this constant pursuit to be here. But Jesus is always moving. And so we're always pursuing the presence of God. Just thank you. Just like the mobile tabernacle, the Ark of the Covenant, moving, getting up and moving. Jesus is constantly crying out and calling us here. I don't want you there. I want you here. And when I get up and move, I want you here. Yes, I was there yesterday, but I've got something greater today. And tomorrow it's even going to be better than yesterday. I want you here. That is the pursuit after God's heart. To always be where his heart is. And to know where his heart is going. And to be passionate about what he is passionate about. To love what he loves. Amen. To always be here. Deute. Pursue him. He says, I'm looking for a dwelling people. People who will get up from their dwelling place. Come dwell here with me, always chasing me. Would you stand with me as we close today? Always hot on his heels, united in heart. Bartimaeus is invited to become, to come on to be part of the way. So I want to close with this. 
maybe, maybe you were really paying close, I hope you were paying really close attention because part in, in, in point number one with a new person, I just talked about who Bartimaeus was. I never identified the new Bartimaeus. I was hoping you were paying attention because that's what I want to cover right now. Pastor, your first point was the beauty of the response that makes a new person. And here's the thing about Bartimaeus. He can no longer be called blind Bartimaeus. His identity has completely changed. I, Caleb, if you were blind, and I was like, hey, blind Caleb, right? But if he could now see, I have no reason to call him blind. And that's the thing. Remember, the God of this world, Satan, blinds the minds of the unbeliever. But God brings sight to the blind. And so when God redeems us, when Christ redeems us from the grip of the enemy, from the one who has his hands over our eyes, and opens our eyes, we can no longer be identified as blind Priscilla. We can no longer be identified as one who was under the control of the enemy. Y'all hear what I'm saying? If God has truly opened our eyes, if we have truly accepted the response of his invitation, and we're truly pursuing after him, I am a child of God and not a child of the world. God, the God of this world blinds the minds of the unbelievers. I'm no longer an unbeliever, I believe. And just like blind Bartimaeus calls out, son of David, have mercy on me, I want to see. And in his faith, he gets up and walks to Jesus, walking literally by faith and not by sight. He believed and declared physically, not just verbally, that he was going to get his sight back. Faith without works is nothing meaningless it's dead there's no heart there's no heartbeat so it completely changes the identity of Bartimaeus and this is what I love because Bartimaeus is crying out Jesus son of David have mercy on me and by crying out have mercy on me it opened the door to transformation in his life so it's almost like mercy says no to who we are and grace gives us a new title and a new name. Mercy erases the lineage and grace gives us a new lineage. And we are rooted in the family of God. Mercy says no to who you were and grace gives meaning to who you are. I love what the writer of Hebrews reminds us tells us that we can boldly approach the throne of grace. We talked about this on Wednesday for our midweek reflections. You can boldly approach the throne of grace. And one of the things that we talked about right after that was like, that's because I belong there. I cannot boldly approach the throne unless I belong there. I cannot boldly approach the throne of the king unless I belong in the king's room, in the throne room. I belong. I belong. You belong. You can boldly approach the throne of grace. That is the beauty of the legacy of David, that spirit of belonging, the spirit of repentance, the spirit of worship, the spirit of praise, the spirit of prayer. Integrity, chasing after the heart of God so that we can start pursuing the pursuer. Amen. David in Psalm 51 says, cast me not away from your presence. Don't, don't cast me off to the side. And I have that same imagery with Bartimaeus. Let me have my cloak. I have that same imagery with with Bartimaeus, he's on the side of the road and 
He's got his, he's, he's got his cloak on, his identity. He's a beggar. He's sitting there. And he says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus says, all right, come here. And so he casts off who he was and embraces who Jesus is. And is made complete. That, that's what I see. When, when David's like, cast me not away, but everything that does not belong of you, take it off of me. Cast it off of me. Get rid of it. Take it off of my shoulders. This weight, this heavy burden of sin, take it off of my shoulders. This identity that's been falsely given to me, take it off of me. Give me a name that, that, I, can, that I can run to. Get, and give me a new identity that I can give praise to you so that people can see that there's a difference. That people can see the work of your hand. I'm no longer living rooted and attached to an identity that's not of God. I want to be rooted and attached to the lineage and the legacy of Christ Jesus. Amen. I love, I love the lineage. I wasn't going to talk about this. I was going to kind of introduce it later, but I want to talk about this really quick. For those who might be feeling worthless or no value or that you don't belong. Matthew gives the lineage from David to Jesus. And in this lineage, he includes all kinds of names. These people weren't the best of people. See, sin had corrupted and rotted out the root. We look at the story of Rahab, who's in the lineage of Jesus, who's a prostitute. We look at the story of Solomon, David's son, who built the temple, who had 700 wives. Jesus touch him <laughs> and not just 700 wives he had 300 concubines and at the end of Solomon's reign the kingdom was divided it says because he allowed the people to worship the gods around them and not God himself we look at the story of Manasseh who was a pagan and worshipped all kinds of other gods and did evil in the sight of God. And we look at the story of David, who was an adulterer and a murderer. The root was corrupted by sin. And up until Jesus, anybody born of that lineage was born in sin but God. He made Jesus who knew no sin to bear our sin. And we can take our sin to him. He redeemed the root. And that's exactly what we see right here with blind Bartimaeus. He's born to a lineage that is unclean. But he calls him out and brings him onto the way and gives him a new lineage and legacy. He redeems the lineage of Bartimaeus. I don't know the new name that he had. Maybe he's always just going to be known as son of Timaeus. But I would imagine somebody called him something different. I would imagine he probably went by a new name because I'm not just the son of what is unclean anymore. I'm the son. I'm the daughter of Jesus Christ. I'm the son. I am co-heirs with you. I'm, I'm part of the kingdom. He redeems the root. Gives us a new lineage and a new legacy what are you rooted in today what are you rooted in today God wants to redeem you all the way down to the roots all the way down to the roots father we love you we thank you for the legacy of David being after your heart chasing after your heart we thank you, God, that you redeemed the root of sin in our life so that we can be rooted in you, grafted into the vine to produce fruit for the kingdom, the fruit of repentance. 
Father, I pray right now, if there's, there's any branches in our life, there's any, any kind of cloaks that we're using to hide ourselves, to hide our sin, to, to hide our identity that, that we are falsely identifying with, if there's anything like that, I pray that you would just release it and remove it from our life. Burn up what does not of you. Do the inner work in our life. Uproot what needs to be uprooted. We thank you that we have a Savior in your Son. And we thank you that you sent your Son to come and dwell with us, to tabernacle with us. And we thank you, God, that we are not left just motionless. We're not left stagnant. But God, when you move, we move. And in you, we have our being. In you, we live, we move. And I thank you that you are constantly moving us from glory to glory because of your grace upon grace. In Jesus' name, I want to ask if, I want to open up for prayer today. I want to ask these questions. And as we close in worship, as, as Tyler, or, wow, as Tim and Adrian lead us in worship, I know broken heart, right? As we're led in worship, I want you to take these questions and I want you to really meditate on them. I want them to sink down deep. And I want you to commit to following hard after Jesus, to be right on his heels to move when he says move. The first question is, what legacy are you leaving today? In, in 25, 30 years, when your kids look back, what legacy are you leaving? What legacy will they look at? How will they remember you? Will they remember you moving them closer to Jesus? Or will they remember you pulling them away? Will they remember you being the reason that they separated? What is the legacy that you are leaving today? And will it move people one step closer to Jesus Christ? Will it move your children one step closer? Here's really, really, really important. Will it move your spouse one step closer to Jesus? We move people one step closer to what we're passionate about. Why? Because if we're passionate about something, we can't shut up about it. Let, let, let me tell you about some Disney. Right? We move people one step closer because we can't stop talking about it. So where is your heart today? Matter of fact, here's even deeper. What is the treasure of your heart? Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be. What is it that you're valuing? Is it the heart of God? Is it, is it, is it, is it pushing people closer? Where does your heart rest today? What are the desires of your heart? Listen, Bartimaeus, because he had no lineage, because he had no legacy, he had no future. But God will give you a new name. God will give you a future. He has plans for a hope and a future for your life. Will you commit to it? Will you respond to it today? Take these questions, pray about them in your life. Commit to following hard after God, to pursuing his heart as we close today. Amen. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. Pray, God, that you would just touch each and every one here today, their hearts. Let it be open. Holy Spirit, begin to convict. Holy Spirit, begin to comfort. Show us the love of God today. Love and kindness that brings us to repentance. Love and kindness that is in inviting us to be right where you are because we belong there. 
So if there's anybody living in shame, there's anybody that's been isolated, that's been cast off and told that they need to be on the side of the road, they've been cast off to the side of the road, I pray that you would just remind them today that they are invited to be part of the way, the truth and the life, to be a part of you and your story, that they belong to something greater. Transform us today. Give us a new passion and a pursuit for who you are in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship today. Again, if you need prayer, I'll be outside. I want to pray with you, believe with you, anything at all. I want to be the one that says, hey, look, get up, wake up. Jesus is calling you to him. I'm not going to silence you. I'm not going to tell you to be quiet. I'm going to believe God can do amazing works in your life. Amen. Hey, thanks again for tuning in to this week's message from Reclamation Church. We pray it was a blessing to you. We want to encourage you to take this message everywhere everywhere with you and pour into those around you. And if you would love to be a blessing to the Reclamation Church ministry, you can easily give at our website at reclamationchurch.faith. Scroll down to the bottom and click on online giving. Or you can even text to give any dollar amount to 84321 and set up a giving account with Reclamation Church. Again, we pray that this was a blessing. Be a blessing to those around you this week. And may God bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you. Be gracious to you with the light of his countenance and, be, uh, and give you peace this week. Amen. Be blessed.